Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Chris Lyons. In this podcast, we will have conversations with young creative professionals about the steps that they took to go from design school grad to successful employee at a creative firm. The goal is to energize and inform your job search with their tips and stories, maybe help you get your first creative job. So stick around. Let's get at it. On today's podcast, we'll be talking with Liz Wells, Senior User Experience Designer at Stink Studios in Brooklyn, New York. Liz graduated with a degree in graphic design in May of 2015, and in four short years, has risen from UX intern to Senior User Experience Designer. She's been recognized by The One Show, The Webbies, Communication Arts, and she was a finalist for Young Guns 15 by The One Club for Creativity. Liz also has a passion for raising the voices of women and non-binary people, which is why she co-founded Desk Lunch, a newsletter for people in the minority to share personal stories of what it's like to work in the creative industry. I encourage you to check it out. Just, just Google Desk Lunch and subscribe. They are wonderful and thoughtful essays, and they cover a whole range of topics. And you can check out her work at LizVWells.com. Liz, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? It's so great to have you here on my Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. You are, as you know, one of my all-time favorites. And I think your experience and and no-nonsense take on things is so valuable to these young people listening to this. So what I'd love to do is just start out by having you talk a little bit about what you do at Stink Studios. Yeah, so I am a senior UX designer at Stink Studios in the New York office, and that means I work on a variety of different projects. Uh, so that means it could be a game, it could be a website, it could be a museum experience. It's all different, but I kind of do the same things in the sense of I work on sitemaps, information architecture, user journeys, and then distilling it down into wireframes, and then working with the designers and the developers on making those um, concepts and ideas come to life. So what do you like best? Yeah, so I think like that's, I like both ends of the UX process where I love thinking really large and trying to see the whole map of this product or this website and how does it work and what are all the interconnections and kind of looking at it on this large scale. But then I love getting down into it and being like, okay, how does, when I click this button, how does it work? Or when this user adds something to their cart, does an animation happen? So I think I loved being able to go from like the macro view to the micro view, just because it's a different mindset and it's fun to play with different things. Like how do the connections work and how do we make it easy user flow to like, what are ways that we can bring um, excitement and emotions through motion in development and design? Uh, that's good. Now you studied graphic design in college. How did yeah. you get to this place? Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah. So when I was in college, I didn't even know UX was a thing. Um, and it really wasn't a huge thing. There wasn't this mass of people studying it. Um, so when I was in college, I studied graphic design and I took a few classes in web design and a few UX adjacent classes but it wasn't until my internship at big spaceship where i fully learned what ux was um i really bonded with the ux designer there and she showed me the ropes and i was like oh oh this this is it this is what i want to do um and then i came back my senior year and worked my tush off 
with Chris and built a portfolio that was worthy to be considered for a UX position. All right. So you are responsible for one of the modules in my online course because you were expert at studying the process of the place you wanted to work and then creating work that was so consistent that it looked like you did it for them. And so talk about that. First, that strategy and then their reaction to seeing your work. Yeah, so I knew I wanted a position uh, as a UX designer after I graduated. So I wanted to create work that reflected that and reflected the job that I wanted to be doing. But also, you know, being a UX designer, that can mean a lot of things. Are you a UX designer at a product company in tech? Or are you a UX designer at an agency or at a consultancy? So I wanted to work at Stink, and I knew that very early on in senior year. So I studied their work and I noticed their work was very experiential and it wasn't just a simple like app or a simple website. It was apps or websites that included film and audio and a bunch of different elements. So I wanted my work to reflect that. So I created um, projects my senior year that were more experimental and a bit more experience-based for websites instead of just a simple e-com or a simple just informational site. But I wanted to make a website for a museum exhibition, I believe. And I mm-hmm. worked with a photographer to create assets for it. And I wanted to make it feel like it had a lot of life to it and a lot of motion, a lot of just more than just a simple website, just to already feel like I was in the same headspace as the team at the company I wanted to work at. You were the first student, in my experience, that moved from creating websites to creating web experiences. I think that the depth of what you did was just, it was different. Yeah. And I think when I was in school, I was looking, I was just looking around and I was hungry to understand like, what does it mean to make a web experience? What is that? I wasn't really exposed to that in the classroom that much. So I looked at a site like awards with three W's and FWA uh, to see what agencies were doing in this space that I was really interested in. And I was just exposed to these websites that they don't, exist as much anymore as if you look at those uh, award sites now, but these websites that had huge budgets and just the time that went into it, because we were coming out of the flash age of when websites were super motion heavy and just very intricate and going to this age of like different type of development. So people were still in the mindset of these really experiential, huge websites that had a lot of moving parts and maybe not that much information, but there were almost an art piece in how ornate they were. I've asked most of my guests if they ever imagined this as their career, but in your case, it's exactly what you aimed for, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't what I thought I'd be doing freshman year, but senior right. year, yes. <laughs> yeah. I had a um, a young man that I met with last week who graduated I think last May, might have been last December. And he spent his time in design school just creating um, a portfolio. He never gave thought to aligning it with his professional interest. So we worked for several weeks aligning his portfolio with his interest. And surprise, surprise, he got a job. I'm just, I'm still amazed at the number of students who do not take that step to align their interest with their portfolio. Yeah, and I think it comes off when you're looking at certain portfolios because you can tell when someone's really passionate about what they're doing. Is it from the topic choices, like, you know, making 
just being told you need to make a restaurant website. So you just pick something generic or, you know, is there something culturally that you're interested in? Maybe reflecting food from your culture. Like that's when you can kind of see someone's interest or just even just the type of work. Like I remember senior year, I had a branding class and it was just, the prompt was just make a brand. And I was like, okay, but I want to make a digital aspect to it. So I made a brand for a digital only startup streaming service before I knew what a streaming service was. I was like, it's going to have videos of standup. So I made a, I made, I had to make an app for it and a web, web screens for it. And even though that wasn't part of the ask, I knew, okay, I love standup. I need to do this brand and I want to make it digital somehow. So I just kind of pulled all those elements together and then I made it into a project. Yeah. And it had a story. Right. And it's easier to explain that in an interview than just like, yeah, my teacher told me to make a brand. And then, you know, as someone who's the interviewer, I'm like, okay, but like, is this something you care about? Is there a story to it? Or is it just you were told to do something so you executed? And does that mean when I tell you to do something, you're just going to do the basic amount and never go beyond? It might be the worst thing you can say at an interview. My teacher told me to do this. Right. Oh my God. All right. So when if you can think back to the process, Lizzie, how many places did you reach out to when you graduated? I don't remember exactly how many places I reached out to, but I remember making a spreadsheet and I had about 15 to 20 companies on there. And I had like a top five that I was really focused on and really wanted to um, go to. So I think I kind of worked it in shifts of like, you know, email a few, hear what's up, get the status and email the next batch instead of just 20 at once. And then just like praying for a Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. How many did you hear from? How many of those places responded? Maybe five to 10. I mean, like, you know, there's always the emails that are just like, sorry, we're not looking right now. And you're like, great, thanks. Um, and then, you know, there's the places that are like, oh, we'll be looking in a few months, we'll reach out to you. But I think like actual interviews and steps beyond were maybe just like less than five that I actually talked to. So part of the, the, a major piece of the anxiety with young grads is the interview process itself. How did you steal yourself? How did you inform yourself before you went into those interviews? I practiced my portfolio spiel a lot. Um, I did a lot of local in Rochester, local um, portfolio reviews. And even though I wasn't planning on staying in Rochester or wanted a job from these places, I use it as a chance to kind of get my story down and un and practice how do I tell the story of this project. Um, it's exhausting. And I remember having a very dry mouth afterwards and being very tired. Um, as an introvert, doing all that talking was a lot of work. But it made me just be able to fully tell this story and not and be able to answer questions that they would ask. And also just coming to an interview, um, with questions already, um, even if it's a basic question, just having something to kind of close out with instead of just like, no, I don't really have any questions. And it's like, oh, wait, but how big are your team sizes? Like, what's the growth plan? And you know, stuff like that, that you probably do care about, but maybe you're just so nervous that you don't think about yet. Um, and also just, I don't know, I get very nervous in interviews as everyone else in the universe. And I think just being prepared and mentally prepared is good like having a glass of water next to you or maybe changing your background to a really calming picture or just stuff that you can do just to make yourself feel a little bit better and more supported instead of just going in blind and just hoping for the best. 
I've got a couple of kids I'm working with right now, kids, a couple of young designers I'm working with right now who are waiting to hear back. And, and I think that might be the single most stressful. But I, I keep trying to remind them, and now you as a person who's probably interviewing young people, it's not, it's not something that happens overnight. No. And if it does happen overnight, it's probably a red flag. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think like it's as a student, you don't have that empathy yet of what it's like to work in an office or in a workplace or in a company, or you don't really fully understand the HR structure of a company. And I think you just need to empathize that like there's a million other moving parts going on. And sometimes the hiring is at the top of the mind because there is a new project that came in and we need to staff up for it. Or sometimes we just know we need a new designer down the road and we're starting the interview process. So I think just having empathy towards the interviewers is really important just because the people that interview probably have are full-time designers and they're thinking about a million other things and they were just dragged into this meeting and you're like, oh God, I have to interview this person. Like I'm thinking of my three projects I'm staffed on and I have to talk about this company to them and I'm, I'm tired too and what's going on. So I think just having that understanding towards the people that are interviewing you and emailing with you. All right. So you as the interviewer now, when these kids come in, what, what stands out to you when these young people come in with their portfolios looking for a job at Stink? Yeah. I mean, I'll first say this. Like, if you have any problem with your Wi-Fi or your Google Hangouts shuts down, like, that is not a bad look on you. And I know a lot of students stress out about that. That is just something that happens. So if there's a tech difficulty I don't blame you and I don't think you should blame yourself. That is out of your power. That's so nice. I will first say that. Um, but I think I just look for if they can fully articulate their thought process and their process for a project um, and also be able to really clearly say, like, was this a group project? How much did you do? Like, how much did you contribute? Because I think that honesty, even though it's such a seems like a obvious thing is really important because that shows me how well you work with others and how kind of truthful and honest you're being about your teammates on that project. Um, but also just how well you are able to answer questions and just articulate your process and your thinking and just showing excitement towards the company that you're talking to and not just ending kind of blankly and, you know, non excited, but ending with excitement and, I don't know, just having energy towards it. How much do you expect them to know about you, you personally and your company? I don't think they should know me because sometimes you may not know who's interviewing you beforehand. Um, just like, hey, we're setting you up with some designers, like join this hangout. And so I don't blame them if they don't know anything about me, which is valid. I think um, I think they should know a little bit about Stink. There's been times when folks, when we ask folks like, oh, what was your favorite project? And they say uh, a project we didn't do or, oh, no. you know, just something that's completely, you know, and it's always funny when someone mentions a project that like you personally worked on and it might have been a really hard project because you're just laughing to yourself because you're like, oh, you have no idea how that one was. But um, I think just being able to answer like, yes, my favorite project is X and this is Y and I'm excited about these types of projects because of this. Just it shows that you've done some research, but you're not obsessively reading every case study and you know everything to a T. But I remember when I was a creative director and a young person would come in looking for, you know, having on an interview looking for a job. If they didn't know about my company, I lost interest in them almost immediately. 
Like if they didn't take the time to say, to your point, boy, I love that work you did for the zoo or whatever it was. I felt like that was, they were intellectually lazy and I was just another place they were ticking off a list. I th- Yeah, that's fair. I think it's hard because I, I may be wrong with this, but I feel like a lot of agencies can be similar now and it's, we all have good office perks. We all allow dogs. We all have free beer on tap. So I think what sets us apart is our work and maybe our process and our perspectives and less of like literal fun facts about the company. That's a great but point. But I think, I think in context, like if there's something terribly unique about the, about that company, you know, drop it in. That's cool. But I feel like where with Stink and with others, like there's not anything terribly unique besides our work and our culture and the people that work with us that I'm like, Oh, you mentioned that you nailed it. Like, congrats. You, you <laughs> right. It comes down to the work, right? Yes. So the, the audience, our audience is um, young job seekers who are chewing their fingernails because they don't have jobs yet. How can you reassure them that they can go from where you were as an anxiety ridden job seeker to this confident professional who has won every award that someone your age can win, and I've listed it in the intro. Um, how, how, what would you say to these young designers to give them a little confidence? Well, as someone who's still an anxiety-ridden designer, um, I think it's hard. Your first job is always the hardest because you're getting over that hurdle of becoming from a student to a professional, and that's never an easy transition. Um, I think you there's so much that you don't know yet and just being humble and not going in hot and being like yeah I think I'm ready to be a senior designer because I've seen that before and that's bananas um I don't care how many internships you had like that's a big ask I think um not expecting that this first job is going to be the only job you have for the rest of your life and you're going to tire from there and that um i think just also understanding that there's many jobs out there and you can always leave and it's always healthy to leave um i think going in with the expectation that like i might only stay here for a year and just learn a certain amount of skills is really healthy and important maybe it's not the dream job you thought when you graduated but you know it could be coming in with the positivity of i'm going to i want to learn about product design or i want to learn about the you know development process is a really nice way of looking at it instead of just being like oh dang I just accepted this job and I'm not excited, mm. um, but also just understanding like hiring waves and that type of stuff isn't you don't have that power so I think just understanding that like things come and go so don't expect right when you graduate like you're gonna get a million offers right away maybe give it a few weeks a few months I've had friends that I graduated with that waited about a month or two. Um, they just took the time to really research and apply. And also I think understanding what you want out of the job, but also what's a healthy way of applying for you that you don't burn yourself out before you even started. That's great. That's great advice. Lizzie, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to my audience and reassure them that they too can be Lizzie Wells if they get their act together and (laughs) keep their wits about them and their sense of humor about them. But be patient with this. Yes. And I think like it's important to like listen to yourself and listen to what you want. Um, And if you're in an unsafe work situation, like understand that you need to get out of it and just understanding that work isn't everything and it's just a job and you should be able to go home at the end of the day and still be happy and healthy. Oh, that's a great point. So 
Thank you so much. I've encouraged everyone to subscribe to your desk lunch, the series of essays. They're lovely. They're informative. They're they're just they're really well done. It's a I think any young creative person should subscribe to that and listen to these words from these people. I, I thought they were remarkable. Yeah, Desk Lunch is a project that a coworker and friend of mine do. Um, every week we invite someone um, from the creative community from a marginalized gender, so meaning they could be a woman, non-binary, gender fluid, a trans man. So we want to really raise up these voices of folks that aren't usually posting on Medium all the time or yelling on Twitter. We really want to highlight these stories that wouldn't usually be told. And every issue is a different person telling their story. Um, so it's not about us. It's not our stories or anything like that. I still even haven't written for it yet, but it's someone else telling their story. And the topics range from coming out as non-binary in the workplace to crying at work to, you know, dealing with imposter syndrome to even just like What's it like to have a baby and work? So it's really, it really ranges. And um, every week there's a new issue. So please subscribe. That's wonderful. Lizzie, thank you a thousand times over for taking the time to be part of our podcast. So great to talk to you. Of course. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Liz Wells and found her story helpful and inspiring as you start your search for that all-important first job. For more tools to help you on your journey, visit creativecareerstarter.com. See you next time.